Hi everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL Show. Happy Friday, happy weekend. It's another week, it's an international special. This week looking at the growth uh, and progress of the NFL outside of the US. And we are delighted to welcome in our first guest today, uh, Brett Gosper, who is the new head of Europe and UK for the NFL. Brett, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, pleasure to be here. Great to have you on, Brett. Now, we ask everybody this, and, and you are no exception. So before we start the football talk and, and, and just about your career, have you any uh, affinity to Ireland? Have you any Irish heritage yourself? I have a huge affinity. For, for a start, I've been working there in the office of World Rugby, which is based in Dublin for the last nearly nine years. Um, and my mother's maiden name is Galway with an E-Y, not an A-Y. So Irish on my mum's side, English convict stock on my dad's side. Um, makes for a pretty wicked combination. Not, not in me, but just generally. I guess something's going on down there. <laughs> um. Brad, I suppose growing up in Australia, I know that uh, you played rugby. I'm wondering, in terms of the NFL, w- was it when you moved to to America that it first crossed your radar, or had it been, you know, was it something that you were aware of even be even before then? Yeah, a little bit before then, as a as a player in Australia, and I played you know, reasonable level in Australia, and then left when I was about 21, 22, went to play in France actually, but. Um, while I was playing, you know, even the early days while I was playing in Melbourne, which isn't exactly the rugby capital of the world, it's the, the AFL capital of the world, actually. Um, I used to read American football magazines, but more for the conditioning than following the stars or whatever else. I used to read the nutritional articles, the, the weightlifting articles, the workout stuff, because I knew American football was the, you know, it was the, the, the top. It was the top in everything but it was professional athletes that were in superb condition. And for a rugby player who knew that American football was a bit like rugby, it was a great reference. So I kind of was always an admirer of the league, the players and so on, but wasn't you know, desperately passionate about it. I was just highly respectful of it and interested in it. And yes, I, I, I lived in the States for, for nearly five years uh, in the early part of the 2000s when I was working there with an ad agency and yeah, got a lot more into it and baseball and other American sports during that time. And for my sins, I was a still am, I guess, <laughs> a Jets supporter, um, but also a Knicks supporter. And fortunately, I was a Yankee supporter and they won the odd game. But <laughs> so that wasn't enough to make up for the Knicks and the Jets then. But there you go. Brett, you joined um, the NFL in Europe at such a fascinating period. The expansion of the game over the last decade, I suppose, the establishment of the international series. Just your goals in terms of how you feel the role progressing and what you're looking forward to most and what are the, what are the challenges ahead? Yeah, there's, there, there has been some great work put in by, uh, you know, predecessors of people that are here, were here before me. Alice Kirkwood, who was managing director of the UK, Mark Waller International, um, all, all of these people, you know, put in some big yards to, to, to make London, you know, a success story, the games in London and, and other aspects of NFL to grow the sport. Um, but I, I guess even me being appointed, even, uh, you know, uh, people coming after someone for this role, not me specifically, but actually, you know, advertising and wanting someone to come in to run Europe is already an indication of the ambitions that they have you know, to extend that success beyond just just the UK and, and, and build the potential of NFL across Europe where there is so much potential and already, you know, quite significant fan growth uh, in recent years. So 
That particularly means Germany. That, that's probably in many ways a, a, a bigger market than the United Kingdom on most criteria other than probably broadcast revenue, but fan sizes, 19 plus million um, versus the UK, which is sitting more around the 16 million mark with avid fans, probably 2.6 million in Germany, 2.8 in, in the UK, so very, very close. And France and Spain, a little bit of a distance behind, but also growing quite well. In, in markets where there's good exposure, good broadcast, um, and a bit of a combination between free-to-air and a, a pay channel model and so on, um, we, we, we see good growth. And, and it's up to us then to um, try and expand that fan base in other ways and, and create interest and, and, and through the use of data and astute uh, marketing, um, create excitement and interest around the game. But it certainly helps in a market when you have games. And, and you know, the difference between some of these markets is having tangible, not, not just exhibition games or preseason games, but real regular season NFL games. Um, and, and that's, I think, you know, what's made the huge difference for London in recent times. Yeah, Brett, I was going to say Knicks and Jets. I didn't realise you didn't like yourself very much. But, uh, <laughs> um, look, you alluded to it. We, we know you're very familiar with, with Irish Shores, your last role there as CEO of World Rugby, of course. Um, and, you know, it strikes me your tenure there was, was extremely notable, if you don't mind me saying. Like, there was a, a massive increase in the expansion and growth of rugby. There was the return of the sport to the Olympics in Rio. And really something that people never thought tenable before. Like you, you carried out, your team there carried out a super successful World Cup in Asia, in Japan, in, in 2019. Um, you kind of alluded to the growth internationally, but are there kind of lessons or experiences in those achievements that you're going to look back to or look to hope to bring in to the growth plans for the NFL internationally? Yeah, look, I think there are some basic principles and I don't think the NFL are moving you know that far beyond already those 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 principles I think you know there are other challenges in in American football but there are some similarities they're both quite complicated games um, you know for the average viewer who tends to be of in outside of America a football mm-hmm. soccer follower let's call it um, uh, games that are a little bit easier to follow so there's a little bit of a barrier that games like rugby and American football are a little bit complex. Um, the extra challenge with the American sport is the participation levels are, are quite low, um, but it's a challenger sport. Like rugby is a challenger sport, and you know visibility of the sport is is part of the secret. And convincing networks and and freeware stations that it, it's worthwhile if they back the sport, it will grow. Um, and rugby is in that position. A lot of markets, not so much in the established traditional rugby markets, but certainly in those markets where we were seeking a big uptick in, in, in participation. So in, in that sense, there's a lot of parallels. You know, Europe is a, is, a, is a challenger market for the NFL. And a lot of the things that we'd meet in markets like the US for rugby and even parts of Asia and South America and so on, you're confronting similar things. What can make the sport more visible? What can make the, the sport more tangible? Because the example of the sport is, you know, Six Nations, um, the, the rugby championship in the south, maybe some of the league games, you know, the premiership and so on. Um, uh, all, all of whether they're always somewhere else. The, the examples of the great sport are elsewhere. You've got to bring that tangibility to it. Participation is important. Also, having some people that actually shine. We have a 
international player pathway program and an academy program in the UK where we don't just have UK students, but foreign students that some of which have gone on to become notable NFL players and therefore create that sense of uh, relevancy to, 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 to a local market. And all of, all of those things are, are very relevant. There's a, the other parallel is flag football is a, is, a, is a strong development game, obviously, particularly in the United States, but for, for men and women. And the, the women's aspect of the game was another area in rugby that injected a huge amount of growth into the sport. The Olympic opportunity was very much showing women and girls that rugby was for them as well, both as spectators and as players. And flag can play that role also with American football. And there are some ambitions, um, and I'm trying to gauge that, there are, there are certainly ambitions in certain quarters of the NFL that flag football could well be an Olympic sport, particularly potentially being one of those optional sports that the local organiser of the Olympics in 2028 in Los Angeles could opt to take uh, flag as a, as a sport. And then you build on that and hopefully stay with it. And the Olympics is a huge growth opportunity for any sport because a, it gives you incredible footprint exposure during the week or two that you're in the Olympics. But there's also extra funding coming in from National Olympic Committees and even the IOC Solidarity. You're also on scholarship lists and school curriculum automatically um, if you're an Olympic sport in so many countries around the world. And finally, um, you get to talk to governments. I mean, when rugby became an Olympic sport, we, you go to China, go to Russia, go to, and you will meet with the Minister of Sport. If you're not an Olympic and you can talk about, you know, we're lacking stadia here, how can we, you know, do more to get the sport into schools? How can we... All of these conversations are very valid conversations when in Olympic sports. So, yes, long, long answer to to, a, to which there are some many parallels. I think in the principles in, in in approaching the growth of 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 the sport. And of course, the the difference is in, in many ways the NFL is a very focused organization, a very focused organization commercially, and therefore very streamlined and can make reasonably quick decisions on its own destiny, which is much harder in the, in the world rugby context where you're gathering the, the different interests of those nations or groups of nations that may not want to move forward on some things that you wish to move forward on. So, and they both, <laughs> they both, both sports that have the unexpected items, the shape of the ball and the uneven bounce and so on. But there seems to be a surprise. There used to be a surprise each week in the rugby world and, I'm discovering in the NFL there's some similarities in, in that sense too. You get a few surprises through media, through player behavior, through events that happen and, and those unexpected things that make, make, make the whole sports world quite interesting. That's, that's the one thing that I find, Brad, like, like people always say to me, oh, there's a seven-month offseason. There's, there's something going on, if not every day, every week. There, there is always something. But I guess going back to the whole Ireland aspect of it, you know, the one thing that we're really good at is rugby and we uh, famously or inf infamously uh, bid for a World Cup and we fell short of it. But look, it's grand. As, as you know yourself, Brett, the inherent delights. It, it, it was an amazing bid, by the way. It was, yeah. it, it obviously, you know, it, it, they didn't get the result they wanted to, but it was a superb bid on every criteria and it, 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 it matched up against two, really, you know, when you think about it, South Africa, France, you know, World Cup hosts, rugby World Cup hosts, football World Cup hosts, you know, 
Olympic hosts in France's case, soon to be, and so on. So it wasn't as though you're up against shabby competition, but you competed very well. But unfortunately, there's only one winner in that. Um, sorry, what the question was. No, it's fine. I was, I was just going to say, so basically today, actually, Brad, uh, it was announced that Northwestern are playing Nebraska in college football in the Aviva. I know over here, as you know, we've got the Aviva, we've got Crook Park. Uh, and look, and a lot of uh, heritage between NFL owners and, and this island. Have you any tips on how we can maybe avoid the mistakes of the past for, for, for the Rugby World Cup and potentially host maybe down the stretch in, in, in the next few oh, years? There were, like, we there were no mistakes. Or? There were absolutely no mistakes made. And I think, you know, Ireland's a great place to come for any sporting event because the fans are amazing. And, the, you know, we know Croke Park's a great stadium and the Aviva as well. And But it's mainly the atmosphere in Ireland and the players and teams and owners, obviously many of them out of America, as you say, have that connection, like to come there. It's difficult to envisage in the near future anyway, regular season games, but certainly, um, you know, one of the things that we must investigate is if you can't have regular season games, what is the next best thing? And yeah, there's a general belief that preseason games, exhibition games, maybe not taken as seriously as they were and so on. And maybe that needs further exploration, but I certainly don't think Ireland has any issues or worries around hosting big, big sporting events of any code, frankly, um, because people like to come to Ireland and people know how well they're received there. Brett, we, we know about your amazing business pedigree. We've spoken about your time um, with World Rugby. You were telling us that your, your first day on the job, though, was, uh, was at the Super Bowl. And uh, talk about the, the razzmatazz, the glitz and glamour. Tom Brady uh, gets, gets another trophy. Just interested in, in hearing your thoughts on, on that experience. And I suppose your first couple of, uh, of months uh, on the job. Yeah, I, I, well, it was a fantastic uh, experience. To, it was literally my first day on the job. I had to spend seven days in a, in a hotel room with food passed under the door as a sort of quarantine. And they had a bubble system after that that you came out into. And I emerged the day of the Super Bowl. And, you know, they invested a huge amount of money in tracking and tracing and, and, and all the protocols around the players. And, and, and it was actually that in itself was just extraordinary to see people wearing RFID devices that if you got in a lift with someone else, it would beep if you got too close to them. And it, it, it was incredibly sophisticated. The, the, the and, and, you know, in the end of the day, they didn't lose one game in their season because they managed COVID so brilliantly. And against all odds, they put on a full season, which was great to admire. And, and when I was at the Super I could see why that was the case because the sophisticated protocols and the efforts that went into it were you know, incredible. Um, but yeah, one of those great moments, obviously, you know, the whole Tom Brady, um, you know, result and, and, and the buildup and the hype um, was, was fantastic. You know, he had the two quarterbacks of contrasting styles. Um, you know, Buccaneers perhaps didn't, didn't have the outing that have liked, sorry, uh, the, the, the so, Tampa Bay had the outing that they wanted to have. Um, but the Chiefs didn't have the outing that they wanted to have. And it was a bit unfortunate. It sort of didn't have the tight finish that, that everyone was hoping for. The stadium had about 22,000, I, I, I recall. Most of those had been tested and many of them actually, at that point, was it vaccination or test? My, my memory is really fading on it. But what was interesting, it looked like a full stadium because they sold to charity seats, 
with people's images all around. So when you came into the stadium and the teams came into the stadium, it felt like a full stadium and the halftime show and the whole thing. Um, but when you walked outside and left, it felt, oh, where is everyone gone? Sort of thing. They're all still lined up in their seats as cardboard cutouts and so on. But look, it was, uh, it'll always be a record, hopefully, in terms of the lowest, uh, you know, attendance of a Super Bowl final. And I'm glad I was at that. And obviously it was a, a record for, for Tom Brady reasons. Um, and look, it was just, it was just great to see uh, those two, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, on the same field in a in a in a in a Super Bowl, fantastic. And it was my first day of work, as I said. Everyone kept saying to me, "Well, it's all downhill from here." And of course, it has been because you can't beat being a Super Bowl. But first impressions are, are it's a very different culture from world rugby. It's a it's 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 a very different organisation. Um, but it's a both organisations are trying to do the right thing by their stakeholders, but also by the communities and, and the countries and, the, and, and where they're present. Um, don't always get it right, neither organisation, but they have high ideals and high values. And, and that's a great starting point. And, and I can feel that in the corridors of the NFL as much as I could feel it at, at, at World Rugby. High commercial focus at... Um, and it's different. Yeah, one's a governing body of, a, of, an, of an international sport. The other is a league. It's, you almost should be comparing, you know, the Premiership or the Premier League or Top 14 with, with, with the NFL. They're different. They, they're, they're different beasts, if you like. Having said that, the NFL is very involved in growing the sport and taking care of the sport as if it was a governing body of sorts, even though obviously there's IFAF, the governing body as well. Very data-oriented, um, you know, high levels of analytics and analysis around fan engagement and the depth of that engagement, the breadth of that engagement, and you're operating off very, very strong evidence, um, uh, in, in, you know, incredible fan panels to, to understand exactly what they like, don't like, the growth of, of, of the fan base and so on. So as you'd expect from a, a very sophisticated um, American success machine, and I think there is a a better example of a, of, of a league, well, of any, this is, this is the first league I worked for, but I've always from the outside thought it was, you know, really the reference in, in the league. I mean, it's, you know, it is the most watched, if America is the reference in sports marketing and the sports business, well, this is the most valuable league, the most watched league and, you know, 17 of the top 20 uh, television rating programs of the last 10 years in America have been NFL games and that kind of strength and success is uh, is for a reason. Brett, we, we had the schedule released last week and obviously you'd focus on the London games and once the Falcons announced in advance they were coming, there was a lot of speculation about who the opponents would be and what other games were coming, <clears throat> coming on, on the top of that game. Just in the end, the four teams that are coming are predominantly East Coast based, they play majority of their games on the East Coast of the States. Was that in the forefront of the thinking in terms of the travel and I suppose with the pandemic, just making sure they were at ease with those teams coming? No, look, it, it, it wasn't, it, it just turned out that way in a way they were the teams that wanted to come to, to, to you know, to re-engage with the fan base and so on. Um, 
Falcons and Jags were the hosts that were named reasonably early. It's true that Atlanta got out of the gates a bit quick with the with the PR, um, but it's, it's fine. It's great to have them have them over here. The Jags um, obviously have a good connection and relationship with their fan base on this side, having played this is their eighth or ninth time from memory. Um, so you know those matchups are good matchups. We've got really good indication of, I mean, almost three times as much. Uh, registered interest than we had in the, this first day versus other first days in the past. So those who think people are sort of gingerly coming back to to, to stadia, it, it seems there's a real appetite to return to the atmosphere of a stadium and so on. Um, and of course, with the Jags, you know, you've got the, the, the first draft pick, um, Trevor Lawrence, you know, seemed to be and, you know, must be tough pressure for him but you know once in a generation player that'll be great to watch um miami's strong support in in the united kingdom um so no it'll, these will be great games um a pity we've only got two but we just felt in organizing the protocols in managing out you know coming out after a season away and so it's much easier to manage two games in one stadium than try to manage across two stadia and four games which we hope would be the norm that we'd return to in the coming years. Um, so it sort of simplifies things a little bit. And of course we can't, you know, completely guarantee those, that stadium will be, will be full by the time October 10 and 17 come around, but we're confident uh, that we'll get full stadium by then. But with this pandemic's thrown up a lot of surprises, obviously for all of us. And things have happened much more slowly than we ever envisaged in the beginning. So we just have to monitor things as we go along. Um, Brett, uh, good to hear your your thoughts on maybe the evolution we can do in terms of international games. And, uh, you know, we might have a few ideas on pre-season games, regular season games, governmental support, local broadcasting around some games in Ireland at some stage. But, you know, we'll talk to you about that later. Don't, don't worry, we'll come to that later. <laughs> you, you've had some spectacular college games, haven't you, though? Not a dame, not a dame which comes Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. And, no, and great great visitors and great visitor numbers and great, obviously, governmental support and everything, which, you know, be a key thing for NFL, you, you know, Europe in relation to that. Don't worry, I've got the sales pitch ready. We'll be, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Um, but very seriously, I mean, I shouldn't be trying to pitch to you. I mean, after all, I mean, you were one of the, the the major leaders in pitching, if you like, being CEO of McCann's, both in New York and for EMEA as well. And in that time, you were not only CEO of one of the most powerful companies in the world, but your clients, of course, are CEOs of some of the most powerful and important brands and companies all around the world. So working in the NFL is kind of a bit more continuing to the same then, isn't it, really? <laughs> uh, is it? The, I guess there are similar. Again, what you did in your past, you hope, sets you up and prepares you for what you're doing now. And I guess if, if they chose me to do the role, they saw something in my past that they they felt was going to be very applicable in what I'm doing now. And I, look, I think a marketing background was very helpful in the in the rugby environment, and I think marketing was a very helpful. Uh, background for this role as well um, it was a bit of a leap going into rugby because I hadn't worked in the sports category before so I had to find my feet um, for a period of time uh, dare I say bluff but but certainly in the beginning but as obviously you you, you garnered those principles of, of sports marketing and so on you were applying your own principles of 
of, of marketing. So yeah, I, I think there are there are there are perhaps some similarities. Um, obviously, there are you know some high level relationships, whether it be with brands, um, you know, football club owners, um, committee members, as there was in world rugby, um, understanding a what's what's important to a fan base, always seeing things through the eyes of when you're in advertising, it's called a consumer. When you're in the sports business, it's a fan. And they're not exactly the same. You know, a, a fan is a is kind of a consumer with a huge passion. Um, yeah, there are there are consumers with products that have a passion about the products, but most often they're a little bit indifferent, looking to be seduced a little bit and moved over the edge to go with that brand rather than this brand or the other brand. Whereas fans are uh, are almost relig religious in their following of their of their product, let's call it. And so therefore it's slightly different, but always seeing things through the eyes of the fan or the consumer is a very important thing. I think, I think club owners uh, understand that and see that and feel that. Um, and also to understand, you know, what are the, what are the business issues? And I think my experience working with clients and always trying to understand, you know, what was their business model and how could marketing communication help it is, is, is good, uh, is good, helpful background. But then, there are other backgrounds that would also equally bring something else to the party, but I was I was happy with the training I got in advertising to come in to the sports world, and so uh, I was I was fortunate. Brad, look, you're a guy sort of new into this role. You must be very busy. I I know ourselves, fans in Ireland and the UK and Europe, would definitely appreciate your time today. A couple of things we'd like to invite you to our live show on the 9th of October in London. Don't know where it's going to be at yet, but we, we will let you know if you're in for the game. And finally, we, we will see you in LA in February. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Man. It's been massively appreciated. And hopefully chat to you again soon. It's a great pleasure. Anytime. Uh, our second guest on the Irish NFL show this Friday night is none other than the Vice President in International Marketing and fan development for the NFL, Henry Hodgson, over in Los Angeles, home of the next Super Bowl. Henry, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to see all you guys. Great to chat to you again, Henry. Henry, look, we, we ask everybody this question and, and you're no different. Uh, have you any affinity to Ireland? Have, have you any family from Ireland, Ireland? I don't have family from Ireland, but I, I um, obviously am from the UK originally. And one of my favorite things every year after the international games in London, when they first started out. So I was in the NFL office in London from like, well, from 2003 to 2010. But I made a point because it was a, a kind of crazy um, journey up to the London games and small, very small team. And so by the end of it, you felt like once the game had kicked off, you were ready to, to take a nap. Um, and so the week afterwards, I always took a vacation in Ireland because I love Ireland and I loved like there's nothing to me. And maybe you guys are, are bored of it, but at the time and I definitely actually feel the craving now. Um, the sort of late autumn, early winter in Ireland is a wonderful place to be because there's no guilt felt if you want to spend the entire day in a pub with the rain lashing down on the window um, and uh, and just sort of have a have a nice time. So that was uh, was always like for, for three or four years. That was definitely something I always did at that time of year. So I'm a huge fan of Ireland, love the love the countryside there and, and um, great to be talking to you guys. 
Well, um, we're doing a meetup for week two, Henry. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's that in that kind of autumn period. So if you want to relive that period, uh, you know, come on, come on over for the meetup in that uh, week two. We'd be delighted. I'm to, down for it. I, that's, I, I appreciate the, the, the invite. If I can, if I can get there, I will do. You know, one time I went actually just on those notes because I just forgot about it, but I went to a pub in a place called Baltimore in Ireland. Yeah. And and I walked it, you know, not knowing that this was what I was going to get, walked into this pub and it was sort of Ravens themed stuff or well, not all over the place, but there certainly was some in there. So I was like, wow, what have I walked into? I was trying to escape from the NFL for a week in Ireland and instead I found even more. <laughs> yeah, we're down in beautiful West Cork, I imagine. That's a, a yeah, great part of exactly. the world. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm, I'm from Cork originally, so uh, I know Baltimore well, but you you have a long history with the league. Uh, I know that you uh, you 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 were, were first a fan because of the Channel 4 coverage. Your dad, I think, had been in the US and uh, he was a Dolphins fan. You worked with, uh, you interned, with, uh, I think, uh, which involved going to Germany. You're with the Monarchs uh, looking after William the Refrigerator Perry. Can you talk us through, because it, it's, it's a fascinating journey and we have a bit of time, so I'd love to hear about <laughs> your, your journey uh, into football fandom right through to being the the vp for international marketing and fan development okay well yeah it is a long journey and i'm glad you've heard some of it already because you've definitely done a good job of summarizing it there i'll try and i'll try to make it quick and not too boring but it, i mean it, it's funny it sounds like a journey but at the time it was you know there wasn't a journey implies a destination and i, I wasn't i'm not sure that i necessarily on day one um believed that you know any of the stuff that I was able to do during that time period um, happened. And, and I think, you know, all the way through I've had to, and it's, it's awesome sort of hearing it because I have to pinch myself and go, wow, that actually, that all happened. But I love the NFL, first of all, like, like you guys and like all your listeners and like lots of people across the UK and Ireland, I, I fell in love with the NFL. It's a fantastic sport. It's the best sport in the world. And so I was just like, this is cool. I, 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 uh, I like watching it. Um, and then I think there came a point in my life where perhaps the realization had set in that, I wasn't going to be very good at something that I didn't have a real passion for. Um, and so when I was in school, we had to do, go off and do some work experience. And I was like, well, look, why wouldn't I try and do something that I'm really into rather than just go and do something for the sake of it? For I think we had to go and do something for a week. So I wrote to the NFL that just had opened an office in London. It was sort of between the two um world league and nfl europe periods and it was um, nfl europe was just starting back up um and they let me um go and there was a preseason game being played in in germany between the Chargers and the giants and at the same time there was um the european youth football championships taking place sort of alongside each other and so they they invited me to go and and sort of just help out there and kind of interned for for two weeks, I think it was, and got a chance to kind of you know get some exposure to to working around the NFL and and you know do so like even you know me who I think at the age of like 16, 17 then you know like I had moments there where I was like well this won't get nothing gets better than this you know there's like there's Lawrence Taylor who had just retired but was was traveling with the team there's you know Junior Sao that Chargers team wound up going to the Super Bowl that year so it was pretty cool you know, having a chance to get exposed to that. But so that that was all taking place um, at the same time. And, you know, I guess made a decent enough impression to when I, um, a couple of years later, decided to take a year out between school and university and wrote to them again and said, hey, it's me. You know, 
hopefully I didn't put you off too much. Can I come back again? Um, they said yes, and you know, why don't you come back for a longer time period? Then NFL Europe was back up and running. Um, and so I got a chance to, to work there. And, and as you say, at the time, um, was, uh, was the Fridges um, sort of right-hand man for, you know, to, to some extent or other when he was um, playing in, in the UK for the London Monarchs. So that was the first bit. I'll take a breath there if you've got questions or I can just keep on going. I think we've only, we've only made it like three years in and there's, we've got a long way to go still. Henry, I'll, I'll jump to another angle. So behind all the years of working in the NFL, you're also a Dolphins fan. We've had numerous beat writers on throughout the offseason discussing each team, and we actually haven't had anybody from the Dolphins ah. on. So this is your opportunity. 10-6 and six last year, very unfortunate to miss out on the playoffs. What's your thoughts on Brian Flores and the team and going forward? I think I think that I think the team is in great shape. I think they've got a really you know fantastic roster. Um, that I actually you know I'm I think it's almost a it's weird to say it because this isn't a team that's had a lot of success recently. But I think it's almost better they didn't make the playoffs last year, just in the sense that the expectations that come with that the following year you know there's the the bar is just a little bit higher. Um, so I think the fact that they were a good team they showed. You know, the, the defense is definitely um, on the way up. That Tua was, I, I think, you know, has been pretty unfairly criticized during the offseason. And, and actually, you know, for a rookie quarterback, and at least in the way that we used to judge rookie quarterbacks, um, had the type of season that you'd expect him to have, some high points, some low points. But, but you know, a, a really difficult season to, to gel with your roster to understand your teammates, to get better from the injury that he'd, he'd taken um, in, his, in his final season at Alabama. So I'm excited. I, I think that this, it's, a, it's a really strong roster. Um, they, they, they've drafted really well the last couple of years. It feels like they have the nucleus of a team that, can, that you know, this year does deserve to be in the playoffs and, and the expectations that come after that should be you know, getting higher and higher. But fingers crossed, touch wood, I've definitely... Um, you know, lived through some some down years with the Dolphins, having fallen in love with them in, in the early '80s as a Marino fan. Um, I, I, you know, I've got I've gone through some some bad times, but this, if I'm really honest, I think with the you know, since Dan Marino retired, this is probably the most optimism I've had about the team. Um, Henry, I'm I'm a Pats fan. I can empathise. I mean, you're there saying it's probably a good thing they didn't make the playoffs. I'm a Pats fan. You know, it gets a bit boring. So good thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> give it, give it a break. Give it a break. Give it a um, break. Exactly. But no, on a bit more of a serious note, like obviously, loads of people listening are kind of like, "Geez, I'd love to work in the NFL. I love that sport and everything." And you've just explained for everyone that well, basically, you had to start at 16, and then <laughs> it all comes yeah. full circle and comes through. But Fast forwarding a bit, obviously, you've evolved your career, as you said, first of all, with NFL UK, uh, now the VP of international marketing and fan development. You know, in that role, I'm going to say, and I'm going to take it with the European angle, obviously, the mm -hmm. international games for the not past number of years, obviously until this year, have just meant London. They've met Wembley, obviously, Twickenham and Tottenham are in that mix now. And there probably has been a bit of, you know, criticism, I would say, on social media, somewhat unfairly, that all the NFL is focused on is London and the UK uh, in that regard. But of course, the last year now, very clear, like the international scope in Mexico and Canada has always been wider. The international scope in Europe with Germany and everything is very much wider. And of course, you've been dealing with COVID, like, you know, events and everything else has been difficult to manage. 
I wonder, could you take us through and take kind of the, the European, the Irish, the UK fan base a little bit through maybe some of the plans, some of the things you're thinking about evolving, hopefully through the 21 season, as we hopefully get back to increased normality for everyone around yeah. the world? Yeah, sure. It's a great question. I guess, Mark, just first to, to sort of clarify, for us, international, definitely, uh, you know, as much as possible as the whole world. Um, but the truth and the reality is that it's probably six markets primarily. Um, so Canada and Mexico, and I guess the one point you missed there is that we, you know, we have played games in Mexico for the last, well, on and off for the last five years with, with a couple of exceptions. Uh, unfortunately, we, we weren't able to last year and we're not going to be able to this year because, as you know, that the COVID situation there is a little bit worse than it is in Europe. Um, but we definitely, you know, hope, hope to be able to do that in the future. Um, so Canada and Mexico, you know, obviously also have the benefit of bordering with the US, a bit more familiarity with the sport of football. Um, they, you know, Canada speaks the same language, um, or at least they might, they, they'd say maybe it's not quite the same language, but, um, but, but mostly. They also have the big benefit of the time zones um, working well for them, which is in, for you guys, obviously, you know, painfully aware probably at some points during the season that, you know, primetime football in the US is not exactly primetime um, for Europe. But, but that definitely helps us grow those markets. Then Europe, you're absolutely right. It's, it's UK and Ireland, I'll say, together. Um, and, and, you know, you guys, obviously, a lot of the, the marketing that's done in the UK specifically, obviously, um, falls out into, into Ireland and helps with the fan growth um, there. Um, we then have uh, Germany, where we've spent a lot of time over the last few years. And I think anyone who's, who's you know, followed the sport in Europe for some time will obviously be aware of NFL Europe, be aware of what was there before. When, we, when, when NFL Europe shut down, we sort of walked away from a big fan base that had been incredibly well served by NFL Europe and had events and had grown a lot of fandom. And the NFL, the, 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 there was just a void. There was a vacuum. And it was like a market that had had actually quite a lot of money in marketing and marketing and a lot of thought and dedication put into it. And then we just exited and put all the eggs in, in, in games in London. So going back into Germany over the last few years, you know, with a kind of new leadership group, and for the most part, with the exception of you know Alistair Kirkwood, who's who's you know been in the UK office or had been in the UK office for for a long time, and and had been part of NFL Europe, and myself, and probably two or three others, everyone was like, "Wow, look, we just we've got all these fans in Germany," and we were like, "Well, no, that was that was the result of some hard work that had happened before. It didn't, you know, it's not just magic, and they didn't just show up." But the good news is that you know the next generation of fans have come through there. And so we've really seen a lot of momentum in Germany. And I think there'll be some, you know, hopefully Germany will become more and more of an opportunity for, for the NFL to grow and, and maybe even play games um, in that market in the future. Um, and then two other countries we spend a lot of time and effort on are China and Brazil. Um, so both really big opportunities uh, in terms of, you know, the population. I think in China's case, you know, the NFL football is a, is a American football is a very foreign sport. Um, so, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is educate and engage the sort of sports fan base there to help them understand what this sport is. Uh, and then Brazil is like, you know, a sports crazy market. Um, soccer, obviously football, number one there. By, by a long way, but I think there's also like a real interest in, in US culture, US sports, and 
honestly, like from a, you know, one of the things that I work on is, is our social media channels around the world. And there's nothing that engage it, that gets engaged more than, than NFL channels in Brazil. And I mean, like anywhere, including maybe the U S like the amount of engagement and passion that the Brazilian NFL fans have for the sport is, is really cool. So those are the markets we're most focused on. There are other places in Europe, especially, you know, I think France and Spain will get, have, have had a lot of attention, Japan, Australia, but those, when we talk about kind of, you know, the world and how do we expand around the world? Those are really the six countries that we spend the most time on. Did I, I'm not sure if I went, if I've gone off on a complete tangent there, but, but that was, that was my attempt at answering your question, Mark. No, no, it's all, it's all good. And look, in, in Germany, I was just going to, I was thinking when you were saying it, you, you've had some great success stories. Talk about Bjorn Werner, Sebastian Vollmer, like there are yep. homegrown heroes, like even yep. in the UK. Your guy, Jakob Johnson. Yeah, Jakob Johnson, absolutely. Yep. You know, who's played fullback for the Pats and is still there in yep. the IPP and everything, which is great. Um, you know, we've got a few Irish players that might be able to play. I mean, like, you think Tom Brady's a story, Henry. Wait till you meet the oldest wide receiver ever to play the game. Brian O'Leary definitely could do a job for the Jets. I'm sure. I was going to say, sure. Dean Rock is a kicker, Mark. Brian? Is a, Brian, but it's, so that, that's, your, yeah, that's your thing. Are you coming to an IPP tryout? I think we may be having an international player combine, actually, in the UK um, at some point later this year. So if you, if, if you think the international player pathway program is for you, you never know. That could, that could be a, a spot there. And you'll kill the conversation there. I've I've hung up the cleats. I'm 43 now. So uh, you look like you could still go. I, uh, I, I I'm no like... Tom Brady. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, I'm gonna I, I I'm I'm actually gonna shift it back to almost like your journey to now. Like, but I mean, like just in terms of what Mark said there, it is incredible to see the growth around the world. Like, I mean, we're quite lucky today. It was announced Northwestern uh, Northwestern apologies and Nebraska are playing in the Aviva. Please God, next year. So it's growing. It's great to see it growing. Oh, that's well. awesome! I didn't see that. Congratulations! That's exciting. I mean, I went to one game in Ireland when the Bears and Steelers played each other, and it was—I mean, it was amazing. We can definitely. Uh, we will. We will happily do it again, Henry, at some point, and we yeah. will see the crack yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Go, going back to like '97 and and around that time, I I remember and correct me if I'm wrong. You were on Jeff Reinbold's show and you were talking about that NFL office in the 90s. I think a certain Neil Reynolds was also there yeah. and, and Mr. Reinbold as well. Just for people watching, I guess, in Ireland and the UK, what, what was that like at the time? And like just looking back at it now, it must have been like just crazy to think now just to see, just to see where everyone's went. Yeah, it was cool. So it wasn't the '90s quite. We'd we'd made it. We'd made it past the millennium at that point. I think. So I, I kind of, I, I rejoined the NFL. I went off to, I guess, to, to maybe this is good to do it in in, in stages, and you can interrupt me with other questions along the way, but because it's a long long story. Um, but um, so I went off to to university, and then after university, got another job, and then you know stayed in touch with a lot of people in the UK office that I'd or in the London office that I'd been working with with the you know anticipation that like at some point something would happen that would um help me get back there and thankfully they they did and and um so i in 2003 i rejoined the nfl in london um and was responsible for sort of some combination of pr um running the nfl europe website um uh you know so all the club or the nfl europe team's website um and you know other bits and pieces and i think the truth is it was a relatively small office and everyone kind of did a lot of ever of everything 
Um, but yeah, op, uh, you know, at, at the time that I, I rejoined that office, um, my boss was a guy called Dave Tossel, who is still um, in the UK office and, and has been responsible for the NFL's public relations um, in Europe since 1995 and was actually the guy that I'd worked with uh, or under when I um, first was there with the fridge. Um, but then um, a new character had joined, um, a guy who had a little bit of hair, but not a whole lot at the time, named Neil Reynolds, um, who, who I sat next to. And Neil and I, you know, both Dolphins fans, I obviously knew him and maybe you guys are aware of the, the first down newspaper that used to come out every week. So I would always get that and obviously had, had read his work before. Um, so Neil and I became really good friends and, and worked together for, for, I guess, the next seven years um, pretty closely uh, or really closely. Um, on a number of things from NFL Europe. We used to be in training camp together um, for NFL Europe, which was kind of the whole month of February and, and maybe a bit beyond each year, which was great. And you know, during that time, you'd sort of um, spend a lot of time together, get quite attached to some of the, the teams. And then, you know, you'd have the NFL Europe season where we'd be traveling to games and all those kind of things. So it was a really fun um, experience. And, and I, honestly, I loved it. And I was like, you know, not, what could be better than, than what I'm doing now? Um, and then unfortunately NFL Europe um, got closed down, although I you know, understand the reasoning behind why that happened. And I think, you know, ultimately it was for the best um, if it resulted in us having kind of not the, the second tier of players playing in a league where every year there'd be so much turnover and players. It was very difficult to kind of get momentum when you'd have this great team. And then if, if, you, if you were successful, all your players would leave. <laughs> that doesn't feel like the, the best, uh, best plan. Um, but then, you know, it evolved into to games in London and, you know, working with the likes of Alistair Kirkwood, the likes of, of Dave Tossel, with Neil on, you know, that was sort of, there was a core team of people who are working on getting that plan and bringing that vision to life. And I'll be honest with you, like, you know, Alistair was a visionary in the sense that, you know, when he used to, I remember, you know, the first few times it was like, well, we're going to have a game, an NFL game, regular season game in London. It, it was like, Okay, boss, you know, yeah, sure. Um, but, but you know, he made it happen. And, and um, it really, it was because of his leadership and him sort of pulling towards a, a singular goal. Um, and it was an amazing, it was, it was a wonderful time to be working there. And yeah, along the way, other characters sort of came and went. Jeff um, was one of those guys. And I, I absolutely loved working with Jeff and, and have, have a strong friendship with him. And honestly, like that whole team now, you know, there's Jeff, who's obviously gone off and done, you know, all kinds of different coaching. After he left, you know, he left and then went and took a graduate assistant job in Hawaii, which seemed like he'd been, you know, in a, in a pretty high-powered role in London um, and then suddenly went off and did this. It was like, okay, that, yeah, but that was, you know, knowing Jeff's story before that, it was sort of quite on brand for him. Neil, obviously, you know, towards the end of my time there, you know, I'd, I'd worked with, with Neil on, on, you know, some of the media stuff that he was doing, which started with the BBC radio and then went to Sky. And it's amazing to see him, um, you know, flying and really becoming the face of the NFL in the UK. Tony Allen, who was part of the, the football development team, is now, you know, has been a coach in, and been part of the, the football scene in, in the UK forever and is now the, the head coach at the NFL Academy in London. Um, there's a guy, guy named Matt Schalger, who was part of, again, the, the sort of scouting staff for, for NFL Europe and trying to find the international players, who's now in the Giants pro personnel team. I mean, there's a bunch of, you know, Jim Tom Sula, who was, who was, you know, became a good friend during that time period as well, went off and, as we all know, was a, was a head coach with the 49ers and is, is in the league. 
Adam Dirty was a player who who you know I became really actually close friends with when he was playing in NFL Europe and and was you know constantly stayed in touch with and then became you know then worked very closely with again around the player pathway program and is now a coach um, for the Dallas Cowboys. So like there's so many stories honestly that came out of the 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 opportunities that were born in NFL Europe, the bunch of people who've who've gone on to do amazing things. Um, and you know we. We, all, we see each other, not on purpose, but, you know, sometimes we'll all bump into each other and there's a combination of like, wow, look what you're doing now. And do you remember that time that whatever happened in whatever European city? So it's, it's always fun to, to see those guys. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. I suppose even like we've had some of those guys on, but also their influence because we had FA on who talked about the influence of Aiden Dirty and stuff like that. So it, it, the ripples continue. And I suppose you talked, you talked about Alistair Kirkwood and the visionary. And one of the things, I suppose, alongside Bruce Arians being a, a brilliant coach, one of the things he's brought is, I suppose, his vision about diversity. And yep. along, alongside, you know, that Tom Brady lifting the, the trophy in the home stadium and, and all that history, there was Sarah Thomas, there was the two Bucks coaches, uh, Morale and Laurie. And you also now have the Broncos um, hiring, um, you know, Kelly, Kelly Klein down from the Vikings. Are we, are we getting closer to a, a female GM, Henry? I think so. I mean, I think diversity is a, across the board. Um, there's work being done. Are we are we there? Absolutely not. Like it, 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 we're not even. You know, if you we're making a huge amount of progress, and that's all to be celebrated. But that we also know that there's a lot of you know we're, we're nowhere near where we need to be. Um, I, I think that will be one of the moments that will be celebrated is when the first female GM is appointed in the NFL, and I've no doubt that it will happen at some point in the not too distant future. But I actually think the thing beyond that will be the moment that we just celebrate the fact that a great GM has been has been appointed regardless of, of whether they're male, female or, or you know, any other um, sort of level of diversity. I think it I think it really comes down to like when we can look at it all from the perspective of this is a incredibly talented human who's been appointed to, to this role. And I think that, you know, that again, a long way off and we should be celebrating every single milestone along the way. Um, but, um, but, you know, that's when we'll know that it's, it's, we've really done it because it, it almost will be a non-factor. Henry, when we talk to some people in the States, they can't get over the amount of coverage that we have today. I think it's second to <laughs> none. But uh, I recall years ago when I'd be, you know, awaiting your updates on the NFL UK forum every week to see which two <laughs> games Sky would broadcast at the weekend, you know, you'd be refreshing for hours and end. I remember waiting, that. Yeah, waiting for that. There you update. go, yeah. Henry, you touched on the passion for the NFL, and obviously you, you said from a very young age you wanted to make sure you got a, a job that was, you know, I suppose, convenient and suits the passion that you had for the sport. How did you find then the transition to, I suppose, going to live in the States? Was you had a great, the job that you wanted? Did you find it difficult to make that Yeah, change? it's a great question, and it was um, it was a really difficult decision. So I'd been... Um, it's a good, it was a wonderful segue into the next stage of my boring, um, long story. But um, the, the I'd been working in the UK office for seven years. There'd been, at that point, four London games. Um, during the time, one of the things that I'd wanted to do for the NFL UK website was to make it, you know, the, the forum was a huge part of it. And that, yeah, honestly, the amount of, like, um, at the time, I guess, page views and, and messages and everything that was generated by that forum is, is still remarkable to me. But one of the things that we wanted to do was make the rest of the website, which was essentially sort of copy, you know, stories, but not a whole lot of video, 
um, was to was to bring a lot of that to life, and also to help fans um, who weren't on it on the NFL UK website, but let's say you know visiting the BBC Sport website, you know how do you bring more video content there? So it was really like how do you how do you do that? And along that journey, I met um, a guy. Uh, who was based in the LA office, which is obviously where the NFL Media Group, NFL Network, all the NFL websites, mobile apps, et cetera, are, are um, created and, and published and, and all, the, all of the um, writers, et cetera, who are part of that, um, who ironically, his name is Tom Brady. Um, and Tom um, became a good friend of mine. And during this process, um, well, a, 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 a job was posted to um, be... Uh, responsible for homepage programming for NFL.com, which essentially what meant like, you know, deciding what went where on the NFL website, as well as then the, the mobile app. Um, and so I applied for the job kind of separate to anything I was doing with Tom. And then you're pretty much like 20 minutes later, got a, an email back from him saying, this job reports to me, are you serious that you'd want to do this? And all of a sudden, honestly, it was something like on a actually probably like this time of year, like a May afternoon when there wasn't a whole lot happening in, in the NFL UK office that I'd done kind of on a whim and was like, well, I'll just go. And I, I think I wrote on the, on, the, on the sort of letter I wrote to them, like, I get it. You could probably look at this and see it's been sent to, by someone from the UK and go, well, I'm definitely not looking at that because we're not bringing someone from the UK to do this job. But if you do, you'll miss out on getting someone who'd be really good at this or something like the type of thing I thought maybe an American would want to hear. Um, and sure enough, it, uh, yeah, I guess two things. First of all, it landed on the desk of someone who, who, uh, who I already had a relationship with. And so he said, OK, if you're serious about this, um, we can make it happen. And I was like, oh, OK, wow, I wasn't actually expecting to get I was sort of just just wasting some time on a Wednesday afternoon. I wasn't actually expecting to get that response. And I, I just had had my first child. Um, and was suddenly, you know, had to explain to my wife that I'd accidentally got myself a job in the US. Um, so it was, um, it was an interesting, yeah, and we really talked a lot about should we do it, should we not? And my perspective was, look, we, you, you live once, uh, it's something, you know, that, that we'll never get the, you know, I'd, I'd regret if I didn't do it. Um, and we'll do it for a couple of years and we'll come back and it'll be fine. And here I am 11 years later, um, still sitting in LA. So you can see how that went. But it was it was cool. It was it was amazing. It was a great opportunity. It was really like, you know, we didn't know anyone here. We didn't, you know, as I said, we just had had a we had, by the time we left, we had a 10 month old kid. Um, but it was, um, you know, we quickly found, first of all, like, you know, in the UK, if you told someone you worked for the NFL, even back in 2007, eight, nine, when we'd been playing games, people were like, I don't know what that is. But, you know, whatever. Great obviously suddenly you're in the heart of it you're with a team of people you're around the you know the really the hub of of the nfl kind of news generating um piece so it was really exciting to be a part of and and um i worked had a great boss um in tom and it was a, it was a it was it was a very cool experience and um i loved la pretty quickly it's hard city not to not to enjoy living in um so yeah i'm i'm, I'm very happy to be here um, Henry, just looping back to the question, the, the point about diversity, on behalf of Raiders fans around the world, I feel like I have to correct you all and emphasize Amy Trask, guys, the first female absolutely. CEO of the Raiders. True, 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 true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Deserves to be mentioned and flagged, uh, is all yeah, I say. For but, sure. um, you know, Henry, continuing on what you were saying there, and you, you rightfully flag um, Alistair Kirkwood's vision and that capability. And we've 
uh, on the show applauded Roger Goodell's vision this year, obviously, and mm-hmm. hey, we can still have a 256-game schedule and we are going to do this. So a massive credit to the NFL in delivering that. Um, he obviously has a longer-term vision. He's you know, announced about $25 billion in revenue and continued growth of the game internationally and obviously in America. And uh, by God, with you know, from a business perspective, the vision in terms of the current TV deals are absolutely yep. monumental. Amazing. That's just yep. been a, amazing growth. But your progression now, obviously, very senior role, and it's about your vision on things as well. And I'm just, I suppose, curious as to how do you find that in terms of now you're setting uh, a stall, obviously within the remit of the NFL and the overall mm-hmm. corporate goals, but how do you find that vision setting and kind of being that leader now that you obviously experienced with Roger, obviously, and with Alistair in the past? It's, it's, you know, it's fun. I think, first of all, having lived a lot of it, you kind of, you know, I have, a, I think, a pretty good sense of the progression and, and how we need to grow. I, I think we're all very clear that, you know, international is the big opportunity, the big growth opportunity for the NFL. Certainly those, you know, the, the TV contracts are remarkable um, and, you know, the growth that's been seen there. But the continued growth of the NFL, I think the biggest opportunity is, is from an international standpoint, how can you make the game truly a global sport? So there's a lot of attention. International sits within a business function within the NFL, which is the strategy and growth function overall. So you can see sort of how it's positioned internally as like, you know, international is, is a central spoke in like the, 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 the strategy and growth world. Um, you know, and it's a combination of, how do we make sure we have the best possible experience for people like yourself and your listeners who are existing NFL fans? How do you make sure that NFL Game Pass is an amazing product that they can access all the games and all the content you would want to so that you can have essentially the same or, you know, I'd hope a better experience um, than you would do if you were in that position in the US? How do you make sure that our media partners are covering the game in the best possible way, bringing it to life as best as possible and, and giving, again, you know, existing fans, um, the the coverage you that that they need from a consumer products merchandise standpoint. How do we make sure that you guys feel like you're served as well as possible on that front? You know, like all of the things that you would get that would engage you as a fan in the U.S. How do we make that as good or better um, for our fans um, globally? And that's a big thing to do because you know it, it means partnering with a lot of people who can give us that reach globally and and. It's, it's aspirational, but that's what we want to get to is really make it so that you guys who are as passionate as any fan sitting in L.A. or any other part of the U.S. and want to, you know, want to consume the NFL in, in any different way that you can do, you can do it in a, as convenient as possible. You know, the one thing we can't change, obviously, is time zones and when games are played that much at least um but you know all of those things we we can do as much as we possibly can do so that's one part of it i think then the other bit is and i think it can sometimes it's certainly going back to those nfl uk forums actually there's a little bit of a and this is true across the world not certainly not just um in the uk that there's like well we're existing fans we don't need to see all that you know we don't need to keep hearing about who the local heroes are or we don't need to keep you know being have the having the rules spoon fed to us or whatever else but i think one other part of it which is incredibly important to us is like how do you get new fans how do you get people who are fans of sport generally or who are young kids who haven't discovered the nfl how do we bring them in and some of that is kind of making the sport a bit more basic because again 
you know, I always liken it to, it's like an onion. You peel, the more you peel, the more you can discover about football and about the, the tactics and strategy. And, and then, you know, getting into super into like contracts or free agency rumors or all those kind of mock drafts, you know, like you can, you can keep on going, but at the outset, it is quite a, it looks weird. It doesn't look like any sport that you're, you play locally, at least the rules are kind of confusing. So how do we, do, what, what are the ways that we can just, pique people's interest in the sport and I think that especially when you get into the couple of those countries I mentioned like like China and Brazil how do you do it in a way that that essentially is just like wow this looks amazing visually these athletes are unbelievable like the, these are the best athletes in the world um, and you know especially for like the younger audience who like to consume things in different ways to people our age no offense gentlemen but um, you know who you know it's, it's about short form content and and video on your mobile phone and everything like that how do we do it in a way that's going to really kind of be appealing to to those people so long answer to your kind of question on what is the strategy but I think those are the types of things that we're really focused on is really essentially like creating a great experience for existing fans so that they really feel like they're being served by the NFL, no matter whether they're sitting in Japan or in, in, you know, New York. And then secondly, like making it as accessible as possible to a, to a young new fan base who just are like, what is this thing? Is it cool? Oh, it looks kind of cool. I, I want to know more about it. I want to get into this. Um, yeah, completely agree. And Henry, look, it's been a very difficult year for all sports, not just the NFL with COVID. I personally, and I think these boys would agree as well, I think the games that London have this year, you know, Touchwood, is are they're really fantastic games. Like, you know, looking at Tua against Trevor, I think that's just, it literally sells itself without looking yeah. at any other element almost. Um, I think for me, what's, I mean, obviously the Falcons came out and, and just announced that they were playing London, and it was great for us, five minutes of midnight, it was lying in bed going, <laughs> here we go it's gonna it's happening now but i mean you must be very excited for the, for, the, for the prospect of those two games this year before we even look at the whole germany mexico situation next year yeah really like um i think I'll, I'll be honest when i first saw the games a few weeks ago i was like uh, okay and this was pre-draft mind you so so you know like it didn't blow me away but then actually as you got through the draft and you're like okay wow look at the pieces that these teams added like these are really exciting games. You know, the Falcons, um, I'm annoyed still with them because I really wanted the Dolphins to draft Kyle Pitts. But, um, but you know, that that's a player that will be really exciting to see um, him playing in London. I think the Jets, uh, it's hard for me to, to, um, to uh, say anything too nice about the Jets, but um, as a Dolphins fan, but I would say that, you know, hopefully, you know, for the, for the sake of that team and for their long suffering fan base, they've found a quarterback now that, that they can get behind. I definitely believe in their head coach. I think Robert Sala is going to be a really great hire for that team. Um, and, you know, there's certainly a team that's on the up and up. So if you look at just the young pieces um, and, and sort of star players, you know, fingers crossed Julio is still with the Falcons at that point um, or even tomorrow. Um, but, uh, the, the, you know, that, that, I think that's a game that it would be exciting for fans in the UK to say, wow, look at all the, the talent that's on that field. But then you're absolutely right. Yeah. The, the, the Dolphins Jags game again, I'm biased and I will admit to that, um, fully, but I think again, the, 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 the amount of young talent tour and Trevor, everything else on, on those two teams, I think that that's a, a really great game and, you know, put that on, put on top of that is going to be played in the UK at that Tottenham stadium, which is just fantastic. And I love, you know, 
having been there and, and witnessed the, the couple of games we had there in 2019. I don't know if the fa- if, if fans were more excited or it's just the the, the acoustics in there are, are so good. And uh, it was definitely, you know, one of the games was when FA was playing there. So obviously there was a, a, a sort of home bias there a little bit, but it was so loud and it's such a great atmosphere that I'm, I can't wait, you know, knowing that how, how passionate, especially the, the, the Dolphins and Jags fan base are in the UK. I think it's going to, I think that will be an amazing spectacle. Henry, I, I suppose it seems that this off season almost more than any other, right? There have been so many different talking points. It be it uh, Russell Wilson goes on Dan Patrick. Aaron Rodgers. We now have T- T- the Tebow mania maybe returning uh, down, down in Jacksonville. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Is 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 that is that the case <laughs> that there's just more happening, or is this because of social media, or or is this recency bias? Uh, I think there's more. Ha- I don't think it's recency bias. I think there's more happening in the off season now than there than there used to be, and that's you know the, it's it's an effort that the NFL has made to try and have more of a year round presence. There was a point, and it really wasn't that long ago, even in in our um, respective careers, kind of as fans of the NFL, that you know the combine really wasn't a thing, and the draft was kind of for nerds, and then you know the the season started back up in September, and really now there isn't a month that doesn't have some kind of you know high water moment you've got the combine you have free agency the draft is a thing schedule release has become a thing which is you know amazing but even in the last couple of weeks we've seen that we all witnessed it obviously with the with the announcement of the london games there's you know maybe a, a small period perhaps june doesn't have its thing but then you know then it's training camps and and preseason and we're off again um i i think a part of I think social media and the fact that you know athletes are now seen as celebrities as well and have these opportunities you know more opportunities than they had in the past to just say things out loud uh, on podcasts on whatever means that there's going to be inevitably more of these types of stories generated. But I definitely think that the that the era of the players having a little bit more power than they had before and being able to to say things that then get reactions about you know I want you know, a different experience or a different team or whatever. Um, This is, this is, this is not a one-off. I think this is here to stay. Um, And uh, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see um, how much, you know, these quarterbacks um, actually are able to do the things that they'd like to be able to do. It's funny. I was talking to someone yesterday who's, who's a a really talented producer on the NFL network uh, features team. And she was saying, um, you know what? What? Why would Aaron Rodgers go somewhere else? Um, because the Packers are, you know, it's, it's it's a good team. They've been to the NFC Championship game two years in a row, and I thought it was a really good point. It's like, is it just that Aaron Rodgers wants to be in the news at a time when you know we spend a lot of time talking about Aaron Rodgers from September to to February when he was the NFL MVP, and did he just feel like he he wasn't getting enough coverage? Um, but yeah, there's, is there's a quite, I mean, each of those guys clearly has a valid reason for, for saying the things they said and, and, you know, potentially generating the headlines that they generated. But I think actually, if you look at them, each individual, it's like, are you sure the grass is greener somewhere else? Henry, whilst we're talking about players and I suppose looking, whilst we're not looking too far ahead to next season, I know it's May, but having had time to go through free agency on the draft, is there any particular teams that you, you see emerging that are floating under the radar next season? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's that's a great question. I think I, I'm um, being in LA 
uh, and I was always a fan of this team. But I think the Chargers um, have a have a really good shot. I think they you know, they we all know they've been unlucky a lot of times. Injuries, the injury bug always seems to bite them. I was a huge Philip Rivers fan. I love Philip Rivers as much as any other player in the last decade that I've watched. I just absolutely you know loved watching him play. But but I also feel kind of the same way about, or I'm beginning to feel the same way about Justin Herbert. So uh, I think that's a team that if they if things don't go wrong for them from an injury standpoint, I think they could be uh, maybe not not a huge surprise, but um, I. You know, certainly, I guess it would be a surprise if they actually won the AFC West. Um, so that that's a team. I think the, the Cowboys, if you look kind of down the roster, is a team that should have been better than they've actually performed over the last few years. So I think that's another one that I could see being, you know, maybe outperforming what people think they can do. But again, in a division that's probably not that challenging. So maybe it wouldn't be a huge surprise if, if they came out on top there. Um who else? I mean, I, I I have to say the Dolphins, but again, that's a bias and B, um, <laughs> maybe that it's um, it, it wouldn't be that much of a surprise because they showed some of it last year. The 49ers, I think, will be a lot better. You know, I think that they had that sort of one year blip, but I think that they're closer to the team that played in the Super Bowl a year prior to that than they are, you know, from in terms of actual talent than, than the one that finished last season. Um, yeah, those are some teams, I guess. I would hey, say that, that Cowboys defense, I think, was ranked 31 last year, and they've signed majority of their free agency defense from the Falcons, who were ranked 30. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, ho- hopefully that trend continues because I'm a Giants fan, so I'll happily see that team. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm, I'm a huge believer in Dan Quinn, um, and I think you know he has wherever he's gone got more out of the defense than the talent that was necessarily there. So I, I will be a believer in that. And then my, as I mentioned earlier, my friend Adam Verdi, I think he will um, get a lot out of that defensive line. So um, part of that probably is bias as well, but I, I, um, I definitely, uh, I, I believe that they could do it, but I think the giants are another team, you know, honestly, if with, with, and it's not dissimilar to the dolphins, right. I think the question mark, I think there are, all the other pieces are there. The question mark is around the quarterback and, and can can he get over the hump? Yeah. I thought I thought the question was, is he any good? But still, that's well, yeah, that's what I, that's it was a nice way of saying that. Yeah, make yeah. or break here, we we'll call it. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I was actually thinking you could have said the Jets as well because they can't get much worse, frankly. Uh, well, well, that's true. Yeah, there's 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 some of them where it's just like the only way is up. I guess. Yeah. Um, Henry, I love actually you just bringing us through, if you like, the year. And we all think of that as well. Like, I mean, it is now a year of NFL coverage. There is no break. Like, even after we finished our draft show, we were like, oh, that's a break for a while. And we were like, well, actually, training camp isn't that far away now. Once we Not do training off. camp, rookie mini camp, et cetera. Yeah. Well, with all of that, even the NFL honors is actually, you know, something that's quite funny, yeah. whether it's Peyton or, or, or you know, um, Kevin Hart, I think, hosted one year and stuff. Yeah. And you catch up with that. But still, with all of that, with the combine being something, the NFL honors, rookie minicamp, training camp, the whole shebang, the whole year round thing, Pro Bowl is still something that desperately needs fixing. Um, any thoughts? I know we've done the skills challenge and things like that, but you know, as a fan experience and thing, um, I think that's still something the NFL is trying to perfect. It probably fair to say. I think the skills challenge, I, I think a lot of the exper- experimentation that's been done about around Pro Bowl is really fun. And I've, I've been lucky enough to, to kind of be around it over the years. Like the, the, the player draft, the kind of player celebrity draft that took place was a very cool experience. I mean, I remember sitting literally in the middle of that. Um, I probably shouldn't tell the story, but there was definitely um, all the, you know, the players were all sitting there waiting to be drafted by their, by the, 
captains or whatever was going on, but the offensive line had all kind of hidden behind a curtain and had like 30 kegs of beer back there. And were, it was like, we need to get, we need to get these guys drafted pretty quickly before, uh, before drafting them is not going to be a good idea for the, for, for their respective teams. Um, I probably shouldn't tell that story. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I actually, honestly, I think the skills challenge is amazing. And as a, as someone with, with, um, kids, putting that on and my, like my kids would rather honestly sometimes watch you know they'll, they'll go back and watch the youtube of like jarvis landry catching a ball being dropped by a helicopter but or a drone or whatever from whatever height like all of that stuff i don't i don't necessarily think the pro Bowl is for football purists and i don't think football purists should necessarily be looking for that i think it's probably a great way again like i was saying to bring new people into the sport or at least to expose some of this stuff and, and you know this is the, the generation of players that are playing now, this is the kind of content that they want to create as well, is something that's sort of viral and different and whatever. So I think trying to give them that opportunity is as important as it is, uh, 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 helps us bring in new fans, which is, you know, ultimately like you, we've all just watched 255 games at that point. Uh, and do we really need the Pro Bowl to be like a serious football occasion or can it be a fun celebration do we even need, you know, I guess the bigger question is, do we even need to play a game and could it just be the honor of having been selected by your peers and fans as one of the representatives of the two conferences and then this kind of, you know, event that takes place, but maybe not with a football game at the end of it. Yeah. Could you just get Andy Reid to do the kick pass punt challenge? <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. I'd be down for uh, that. I would actually love that. Uh, Number one against number two when it gets first pick, as well as everything they got there. But Henry, uh, last one from me. Uh, Colin was talking about a Dublin meetup. We got a Belfast meetup. We got a London meetup before the first game. Adam Rank has uh, invited us to his vineyard or some vineyard before the Super Bowl. Adam We're Rank planning going a over. Vineyard? I did not know that. I know. Well, he you said he said come them. over. We'll go to a vineyard, so I'm presuming that you'll be there as well. But uh, okay. we're definitely looking forward to that Super Bowl. I'm, I'm presuming, obviously, you know, you're in LA. That's going to be a, a fantastic week for for that city. It's really cool. So where where I live, I literally, if I walk up the street, you know, 200 yards, there's a hill, and I can see the stadium from there. And it's you know, it's a it's a 10 minute drive away. So it's going to be really cool. Like I, as much as I love traveling for the Super Bowl, and it's always a, an amazing week, it, it's going to be interesting and different at least. Um, to have to, to be at one at home um, so I can't wait it, it's going to be I think you know fingers crossed pandemic is over and, and people are able to travel and come in from all around the world and, and from the two teams that are involved you know a lot of Dolphins fans I'm sure will be in, in town to, to watch them <laughs> um, and uh, and I, I think um, LA you know it's, it's, it's that new stadium is is amazing, and we're we're about to move um, the NFL office in LA to to a building literally right next to the stadium, which is going to be really cool as well. So I think just being around that, being around the you know everything that that uh, that's that's you know planned for the Super Bowl, it, it'll be a, a, an amazing event. So definitely, if you guys can make it, come. We'll go to Adam Rank's vineyard, which I had no idea existed, but good for him. Um, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll have a great time. Henry, seeing as though you're not too far from the stadium, you might not be too far from the hotel, which we're already booked into. So Okay, don't, well, there you go. Don't tell him where you live. Henry. Don't <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to disclose to the viewers where we're staying, but not yeah, too don't, far don't from tell the stadium. Everyone. 
th I think uh, it might Adam might might own the vineyard. He might have just thought that with Brian O'Leary coming over, we could take it over, Henry. I think. I uh, see. Okay, I bet he does. He, you know, Adam Rank is a man of mystery, so it could be that he actually owns it. Well, you've been very generous with your time, and clearly you're doing a, a great job with the NFL. I just see, um, you know, that um, the, there was a tweet, I think, that went out about the Lakers Warriors through an audience of about 5.6 million last night. And Andrew Branch uh, quote tweeted it to say, just a reminder that twice that many people watch Roger Goodell. Uh, read names from a list every April. So uh, I think you took us through uh, just how big the, the league has become and the way in which, you know, it has, uh, ha there is something every month. Um, we are looking forward already to uh, training camp and the new season. And we just want to thank you uh, for taking the time to, to join us uh, today. We really appreciate uh, your time, Henry. Well, uh, thank you. And look, I mean, again, having we, we, I think it was probably off air, but we were saying at the beginning, you know, to draw the curtain back, it's now nearly one o'clock in the morning, I think your time or, or whatever, you know, and, and it, it is like the passion of the fans in the UK. And whenever I'm sitting here watching games that, you know, by, by the way, the West Coast is a very convenient place to live when it comes to NFL games, because even the late games aren't very late. Um, I, I always remember you know, what it's like to be a fan in the UK. And so, you know, what you guys do, both in terms of just being fans of consuming the sport, but then also creating this and, and bringing new people into it and making the amazing content that you guys do to, to engage fans. This is what we're talking about. Like, it's not so much about, you know, some of it is about the NFL doing it and bringing new fans in and doing stuff to engage fans. But then the stuff that I love and you know, I listen to all kinds of podcasts. I love podcasts, honestly. But that I listen to all kinds of podcasts. The stuff I love is when it is fans doing it for themselves and doing it because they're passionate about it. Because that's the that's that's the real stuff. So thank you guys for everything that you do to to help promote the NFL and and bring it to to the audience that you have in Ireland. Uh, our final guest on our international special on the Irish NFL show, looking at the growth of the NFL, both in the UK, Ireland, and, Europe, and, and the rest of Europe, uh, is Victor from NFL France. Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you for, for having me. Um, great to be here. And you can check out Victor's work at NFL France. Victor, uh, I have been told that you have a small affinity to Ireland. Uh, have you previously been in Dublin before? Yes, uh, I've studied there. Uh, I did my living cert in Ireland, and uh, then I, I went to university. Uh, the university, the American uh, university. And um, so I, I've lived there for like uh, most of my teenage uh, years. And uh, then I, I moved back uh, to Paris after that. And I suppose for, for viewers, Victor, how was it that you came to first be interested in American football and the NFL? Uh, it all started with, with my, my father. Ever since uh, I was a kid, uh, we used to go to America uh, pretty much uh, every year. And he's a huge uh, Miami Dolphins fan. And uh, so he brought me to, to games and that's how I got into it. And I started uh, following uh, football ever since. And my interest grew every year more and more. And now uh, I'm lucky enough to be working for the NFL. So it's uh, a dream come true. Victor, you, you've moved it to the, to the next level like ourselves. We've been over to games in the States and I believe you've been to quite a few different venues. Any, any great experiences you, you wish to tell us about? Um, I, I mean, most, most of the time, uh, 
because uh, obviously during the, the summer is the preseason games. So most of the times I was only able to see preseason games. So I've, I've only been to a few uh, regular season games. I still haven't been to, to the playoffs. So that's obviously a, a goal because that's obviously the, the next level. But um, the experience uh, that I, I most uh, look forward to is the Hall of Fame because I, I've been there. And you can feel the atmosphere is just special there where you see all these legends and it's just how they, they put an impact on, on the league and on, on us because uh, I went to the, the Dan Marino Hall of Fame, which is pretty much the reason why I got into it because, as I said, my father was a big Dolphins fan and so that was like one of the, the big things for him, you know, and, and for me as well. Um, Victor, you know, we, we're all looking for our, our local heroes, our local teams, effectively our players to support and follow. And I think of the French impact in the NBA in particular, you know, Tony Parker, Boris Diwar, you know, um, you know, Rudy Gobert and people like that. There's a load of French players there that people can look up to and, and follow. You know, when it comes to the NFL, and I'm sure you're equally interested in maybe seeing French players go through, through the college system or locally break through. You know, how close do you feel? Uh, are there any that you prospects you're keeping your eye on in terms of French professionals that particularly might make it in the NFL and uh, give people, you know, you know, the team, the fans in France, someone to follow closely as well? Um, unfortunately, it's it's a bit tough because uh, it's it's kind of we don't have like a, um, it's much easier for people to play basketball in France. You know, we don't have like the, all the facilities. And obviously everything, we have to get the gear and, and everything else. So there's, unfortunately, there's not enough teams. And obviously as well, the fact that the games are mostly during the night. So it's kind of hard for people to follow the season. And so obviously now the, the, it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, from last year, uh, the L'Equipe, which is like the biggest newspaper in France, bought the rights to broadcast the games in France. So that was like a massive thing. So obviously the interest is, is growing and growing and hopefully with that people can get more interested and start trying to play themselves and that, that will start to get the ball rolling. But um, there are a couple of names here and there. For example, this year at the International Pathway Program, there was a French player there. Unfortunately, he did not get selected, but that did get uh, eyes on it because people were like, oh, if he was able to get selected, maybe I can also start playing and maybe get myself noticed and maybe get to the NFL. So obviously it, it's, so, it's obviously a small, um, small step, but it's going to get bigger and bigger like that for the three, for the years. Victor, at your time with NFL France and, and your time with being a French NFL fan, how, how have you found the development of the fans in France? Obviously a, a country with a massive population, you know, up there with the UK and Germany. Uh, have you found there to be maybe a, a, a sizable growth over the last few seasons or has it been different? Yes, I, I think so, because uh, that was like the main reason why I started the Twitter account. Uh, it was just I have a friend of mine who is big into uh, following basketball and he saw that people would uh, write about basketball in French, which was really not a big thing back then. And he told me, you really like the NFL. You should do the same for, for, for American football. And I started doing that. And every year I kept getting more and more followers. And uh, then it, it just got bigger and bigger. And then last year, the NFL even contacted me to, to work with them. So it's obviously growing more and more. And as I said, again, like with the biggest channels, uh, 
broadcast starting to broadcast games it's, it's only going to get bigger and bigger hopefully and obviously now we know that the nfl wants to expand and have games maybe in different countries so if we keep growing maybe one day we'll have a, a game in france and that would change a lot of things probably yeah absolutely i think uh, that's the the dream for fans in europe is to to have a game in their their home country but you, you've spoken to us about your dad's affinity for the dolphins and uh, your trips over and the, the uh, into canton and the hall of fame for you is there a, a particular team that uh, you keep an eye on unfortunately it's the falcons uh, it's a shame but <laughs> it is what it is and and what about the uh, this year the off season and and I suppose in terms of what do you think about the the Kyle Pitts pick and I suppose the the news today as we're recording this around Julio Jones is Julio going to be traded or or do you think he plays another season with the Falcons? I hope he stays, but it's it's pretty difficult because uh, it doesn't re- I don't I don't really know what the plan is because I would think if they wanted to trade Julio they would have. It means uh, they won't wanted to rebuild, and if they wanted to rebuild, I would have thought they would have picked a quarterback at number four. So uh, I'm not sure what the real plan is. If it's this year, it's to uh, try to fix the cap because obviously it's in a really bad space. So I guess we'll have to wait and see, and hope uh, hopefully he stays because he's obviously one of my favorite players, and I really want him to see finish uh, his career in Atlanta. Victor, we were fortunate to speak to Brett Gosper uh, earlier in the show, and he was discussing the UK games. Have you had the opportunity to be to travel over to any of the UK games over the years? Yes, uh, I've been to two games. Uh, the I think it was uh, Dolphins against uh, the, the Saints or Giants, and another one was it the, the Saints and Giants. I'm not sure, but I, I've been twice. It was at the the earlier stage, pretty much when uh, the NFL UK uh, stuff started. I haven't been uh, back back then uh, back there, uh, but it's something I would like to see because uh, obviously with the new Tottenham Stadium, I think it would be a, a cool opportunity to discover that stadium and see how things have improved o- over the years. You're also in a, you're fortunate that the location in which you're in, you could potentially pick up that Germany game when it comes along potentially next season. And the UK games are a great experience, but Germany will be a very different environment for all fans to experience. Yes, for sure. Hopefully. Uh, Maybe that's something I would try as well, because it's obviously it's closer and easier to, to get there than uh, flying across the Atlantic. Um, Victor, I know obviously you're a massive NFL fan, and I'm going to ask you to take the Falcons hat off, and I hate asking you to do this in the middle of May, but after the draft and after our free agency is gone, is there any team that's kind of caught your eye that you were kind of thinking this could be their year they've really built up or you were so excited by their draft that you think, yeah, that that's going in the right direction. Well, I mean, at first thought, sorry, I, w- I would just say the Chiefs because obviously the, the main problem for them was the offensive line and they've really uh, spent their offseason rebuilding it. So I think it would be obviously an obvious pick, but I, I think that that would be in my mind for the, in the next year. Uh, other than them, uh, I really like the, the Chargers draft, but uh, obviously it's pretty much the, the same issues every year with them. Will their players be able to stay healthy? Because that, that's been a, a problem uh, most years. So well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and the natural follow-on to that then is, and then therefore, what would be in May, don't worry, you can disclaim it, what would be the pick for ho- hoisting the Lombardi in February next year? 
well, uh, as I said, I'm pretty sure it would be uh, the uh, Chiefs. Uh, I would pick uh, Patrick Mahomes as my MVP as well uh, early on. Come on. Just uh, finally for me, Victor, can you maybe tell people, um, I guess, in Ireland, the, the UK, and maybe further afield a bit about the NFL Friends account? There's some really cool content, which I guess is uh, looked at to that French audience. Yes. Uh, so obviously, as I said, uh, when it started, it was uh, mostly to speak about the, the, the football games in, uh, uh, in France and tell the, uh, the people, uh, obviously, the news. So anything, anytime like something... Uh, a trade comes down or something like that. We try to explain what happened in uh, in French and try to explain the details. And if people have questions about some some details, we try to explain them uh, as much as we can. And uh, obviously, we bring the the schedule for the season, and we try to make cool looking graphics and uh, try to uh, add some videos to talk about the history of of, of the NFL and try to gain uh, more eyes on on it and get people interested. Victor, I have seen your um, your love of the game firsthand during your time in Dublin, and uh, we will be having a Dublin meetup for week two. Uh, so if you want to come back, you're more than welcome to join the Irish NFL show in the Woolshed on week two, or to join us uh, on the 9th of October in London for our London show. But we'd love to, to have the opportunity to, to meet up with you. Uh, there and uh, it's great to, to see the kind of the, the game grow all around the world and um, fantastic to have the opportunity to talk to you thanks for taking the the time we really appreciate it thanks for having me and it's as you said it's great to see that and hopefully we can keep uh, uh, our ways to keep the the game growing in Europe